it's so good to be back here in Philly. And um, I was telling Kathy, it really is my home away from home. Just the atmosphere, being among fellow believers who are of one mind, one heart, one spirit, is, isn't it a joy just to be in the house of the Lord and just be together? And uh, we, we, just, we get strength, one from another. And uh, so how about um, turning to Psalms 119? That's what you're studying this year. And uh, anybody been through any kind of changes in the last maybe year or so? Would you? Oh, have we? We have a new definition of what change is, do we not? And I find in the world that we live in today is um, it's a little stressful. And, on, and also just a direction. Lord, we want a direction. I just love the light unto my path and what the word of God is to us. And it's going to get us through no matter what it is that we face. I'm old enough to realize that he has not failed me yet. And I'm probably three quarters of the way living my life. Not to put a bummer or anything like that on the. But he's been faithful so far. He's going to be faithful to the very end. So as I was looking and preparing for this message, um, I came up with a title, and the title is Happy People. And, I mean, just a little happiness. We just kind of want to be happy people, happy women. And um, so let's read for, we're going to read through these first, verse, uh, first eight verses. And it begins with Psalm 119, verse 1. Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed and directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect to all your commandments. I will praise you with, an, uh, with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned your righteous judgments. I will keep your statues. Oh, forsake me not utterly. Let's pray. Father, as we look into your word tonight, we want understanding. You know exactly where each one of your women are. As a child of God, we have um, confidence that you have brought us out here tonight for a reason, for a purpose. There's something that you want to say to each and every one of us as we study collectively, as we worship collectively. And yet, Father, you want to speak to us on an individual basis. Would you do that by the work of your Holy Spirit? And Lord Jesus, we just want to say thank you for the work of the cross. We are here today because of the blood of Jesus that has cleansed us from all unrighteousness and has enabled us to be called a child of God. In Jesus' name, and all God's women said, amen. Um, so survey and data, polling data, constantly show that those that live lives in conformity to God's standard are happier, they um, enjoy, enjoy life more, and are more content. And so this whole psalm is all about the word of God. 
Um, Spurgeon said this about this particular psalm. He said this. He calls Psalm 119 the sacred song. It's like a kaleidoscope. In In the kaleidoscope, you look once, and there is a strangely beautiful form. You shift the glass in a very little, and another shape, equally delicate and beautiful, is before your eyes. So it is here in this psalm. And there's so much, uh, it's almost like delicacies that are brought out in this psalm. There's a story of a guy named, a man named George Wishart. And he was a bishop of Edinburgh, and it's actually Edinburgh, I think is how the our English sisters would probably, you have to do the bleh kind of a thing. Um, been in, I've been to Scotland, I'm corrected every time because I'm just too American. It's Berg. It says Edinburgh, Edinburgh, whatever. Anyway, so he was the Bishop of Edinburgh in the 17th century, and he's not to be confused with a Scot by the same name who was martyred a century before. Wishart was condemned to life, uh, condemned to life, be nice to be condemned to life, be condemned to death for his faith. But when he was on the scaffold, he made use of a custom that allowed the condemned person to choose one song, psalm to be sung, and he chose Psalm 119. <laughs> Very wise man. I mean, he's facing death. Before two-thirds of the psalm had been sung, his pardon arrived and his life was spared. So I think of it on the spiritual sense. How many times where we think this, we're just going to, we're not going to make it. This thing's going to kill me. And God's word comes through and we're, we're set on course again. Psalm 119 t- declares, if we want to be happy people, then God's word must be that high hedge that is built high around us. And by no means are we to get beyond that. Um, it's remarkable how often that this psalm refers to God's written revelation to us, to you, to me. And it declares that God's word is essential. Now, I don't know, I'm from the West Coast. I know you're here in the East Coast, but why does that word sound familiar? What is essential and what is not? Do you have lockdowns here? You know, we were not talking about. So when we had this so-called lockdown by our government, the government decided what was essential. Remember those? It hasn't been that long ago. And I'm a product of the 60s, a child of the 60s. We're rebelling against the government then, 50 years ago. We knew the thing was corrupt. So what's new? So the government said now decided during the lockdown, what was essential and what was not. So they said massage parlors were essential and bars were essential. Are you with me? I know we're from the east and the west coast, but it was all the same throughout our nation the, here in the USA. And they determined that, of course, grocery stores, and I thought that that would be, that's legit. I can, I can go along with that. Can you go along with that, that that was essential? Home Depot, Lowell's, those were all essential. Church? Oh, no. Church was not essential. That, in fact, there was one point where they said that you couldn't sing out loud because we would contract, contract some horrible disease that was going to kill us all, right? So they determined, but in time, 
the church opened. And then came, I love the terminology. Um, you know, as I was growing up, we actually said the word. But now there's so many abbreviations. Have you tried texting lately? And when my kids text me or grandkids text me, I'm thinking, I wonder if there's a dictionary that I know what these letters stand for. We hope that they're decent, because, right, are you with me? So they have what they call Merck. So Merck, and, you know, when the church opened, and we kind of got back to somewhat of a normal life, not much, but somewhat of a normal life, and all of a sudden this Merck came out, which is merchandise. And so there was coffee mugs, there were uh, tumblers, there were T-shirts and sweatshirts and banners with the, with the phrase, Jesus is essential. I mean, they just sold like hotcakes. Did you get, on, did you get any of those? Lists? Yes? Oh, okay, we're all, all right. And uh, so this is what this is saying. Psalms 19 is declaring God's word is essential. This has to be our, this is our go-to for everything. No matter what condition you're in, no matter how you feel or you don't feel. And so um, we read that because Jesus is essential, we know who he is. And I just love, I'm just going to read it out because John tells us why he's essential. It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God, and he's talking about Jesus. Jesus is essential. All things were made by him, and without him was nothing made that was made. You and me. He made us. He knows us. And so God's word declares us and teaches us all about the, that Jesus thinks that we are essential. We are essential to him. We who make God's will a priority by which we live um, is really our government. Yes, we come under the rules when it applies to or goes along with God's word, but when it doesn't, we don't have an obligation. Not that we're revolutionists or we get out our guns and bows and arrows and all that kind of stuff. No, but we know how to behave. God's people know how to behave. God's word teaches us how to behave. But when the government is unrighteous, we are to obey God rather than man because we are citizens of heaven. We have a dual citizenship. Our citizen is in heaven. We have a, a heavenly citizenship. And being citizens of heaven, we obey God's word. What does God's word say about any issues that we might be facing, any decisions that we need to make? It's about, Psalms 19 is about the pilgrim's journey. Don't you love the idea that we're pilgrims? We're just passing through. This is not the end of the line. We're just passing through. This woman, her heart is on pilgrimage. She's heaven bound. Those that make Jesus essential. He's our savior, not the, not the government. He knows what's, what is good for us. He knows what is essential, what will make us flourish in this life, what we need. She is heaven bound, and I love this phrase, she knows her way home by heart. God is doing a work in our hearts. She's moving forward. She has a purpose. Um, there's goals that that she has made. And this moving forward is, um, 
you know, I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been alive for a long, long time. And the moving forward is kind of a new concept because sometimes you just kind of feel stuck because of what is happening in the world today. Which way do we go? Which way do we, don't we go? But we're moving forward to a goal, and that goal is in sight. We see the finish line. The race is coming to an end. The, this psalm starts out with, um, it says, blessed. And that word blessed means, oh, how happy. And so, how, blessed, or oh, how happy are, blah, 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 goes on to say. So as I looked at this, I found a little outline. And I found three things in this uh, portion, one through eight. One is the blessing is proclaimed in verses 1 and 2 for you note takers. It helps to kind of separate the, the psalm. And the blessing is pictured in verse 3. And the blessing is prized in verses 4 through 8. We're going to talk about this blessing because the blessing means, oh, hap- how happy I am. All we want to do is be happy. Don't you want to be happy? Is that too much to ask in the world in which we live? In a world that is full of unhappiness like we've never seen before? I remember back in the Jesus movement, I was saved in the early 70s, the great revival known as the Jesus movement. We were kind of, of course, we were young and we would do, we would have all these kinds of songs and we'd have little motions, kind of like what the kids do in Sunday school. And one of the songs is, called, um, it was called Happy, Happy, Happy. I don't really know the official name, but this is how it goes. And it would go, Happy, Happy, Happy. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Where does this happy feeling come from? And we do the one-way sign. Jesus, that's where this happy feeling comes from. Every day he more than pleases. That's where this happy feeling comes from. His way is brighter. His way is lighter. Walking down the king's highway. That's the question tonight. Are you on the king's highway? Or are you on your own highway? Or maybe you're on a highway that you think, where am I going? I'm confused. I I am directionally challenged. And so, I mean, I can get lost in my own backyard. And, And I mean, I don't go anywhere without that little GPS person that talks in the phone. I moved recently from the L.A. area to Murrieta, which um, is Temecula, kind of, I don't I, they I thought it was a desert. People tell me that's not the desert. It's too green to be the desert. Victorville is the desert. That's what I'm, Palm Springs is the desert. And, but I think it's, I think it's the desert. And um, recently, I have actually learned to get to the grocery store without putting on my GPS. It's only been seven years, but I mean, I am directionally challenged. We need direction. What highway are you on today? Are you on the king's highway? Are you happy, happy, happy? Because um, happy is the people whose God is the Lord. Is Jesus king of your life? Is he number one in your life? This is what the the blessing is. This is what it's proclaiming. That um, if you want to be happy, this is how we can be happy. We live in a suffering world full of sadness and sorrow and pain, loss. We've experienced these things within our lives. And this psalm is telling us how to have true happiness in the midst of chaos upon chaos upon chaos. What is true? What is not? What's a lie? What is not? 
and it can become so confusing in the world that we live. It can be frustrating. It can be devastating. Tragedy is still part of this life. Death is still part of this life. And it's something that is, it troubles, um, uncertainty. And then we, na- we are living in a nation of decline. I have recently read the book of Jeremiah, and Jeremiah wept over his nation because the nation was going down, down, down. The, I weep over the USA. I weep over what it once was. And, and I do, um, you know, I mean, we deserve all the judgment that is coming upon us, but at the same time, it is probably the greatest place to live if we're going to live anywhere in the world today, especially as we see the world collapsing. We are, yes, we live in a nation in decline, and yet, and yet the psalmist is telling us about true happiness because true happiness has nothing to do with our circumstances. It has nothing to do with um, the conditions under which we live, whether it's a good condition or not a good condition, whether your heart is, what condition is your heart in, what condition is our nation, has nothing to do with that. This is something that is supernatural because true happiness is this joy that God places deep within our hearts. It's an assurance, couple things, that God is in charge. And we think of um, God, Jehovah, being in charge. The liberals are not in charge. The conservatives are not in charge. Our government is not in charge. God is in, ch- in charge. Um, the climate change is not in charge. I just wrote come some of these. The gender confusion. I mean, I don't know what's happening to the world. Culture, the Great Reset, the New World Order, it is here. No, these things are not in charge. No, no, no. God is in charge, and he is in control. It is a reminder. We are God's people, and he has us here for a purpose and for a reason. I love the song that talks about God, the God of angel armies. And we're reminded, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. We're reminded that he is the captain of the army. We have been recruited. It's kind of like a sort of a little oxymoron. You have to agree and willingly want to serve in the Lord's army. And yet there's kind of a drafting system. You know, I lived through the Vietnam War. We knew what that was all about. And this is talking about um, the, our commander-in-chief, and it reminds us we are at war. There's a spiritual war going on today. Every day when we wake up, we are faced with this spiritual war, good against evil. They're calling good evil and evil good. It is so upside down in our world today. Just a reminder that we are at war, and that it is our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus, who leads us into battle. Not only does he lead us into battle, but he gives us our marching orders. We have marching orders, and the, the marching orders always leads to triumph. It, it is about the victorious Christian walk, and I love this one song, and I think it says it all. The name of the song um, is, Whom Shall I Fear? Because understanding what God is accomplishing in our lives and trusting him, knowing he's in charge, he's in control, 
my life. It's all about Jesus on the throne of my life. It calms down the anxiety, the fear. I've just never seen this kind of thing um, so out of control in the lives of people. But there's nothing to be afraid of. How can I say that? Because God's in charge. Not all these other things that they're throwing at us. No, God is in charge. And he's got a plan that he wants to work out in each one of our lives. Whom shall I fear? It says, you hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the, the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom can I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield, though trouble lingers still. Just describes what, where we're living, what our world is like. Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. Is he your friend? Not only Savior, but a friend. The God of angel armies is always by my side. My strength is in your name, for you alone can save. You will deliver me. Yours is the victory. What shall I fear? And nothing formed against me shall stand. You hold the whole world in your hands. I'm holding on to your promises. Whom shall I fear? And from the innermost being, deep down in my soul, that we proclaim that very same thing. There is nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to fear. This is this, this joy, this being happy. The word blessed, it's repeated two times. That means, oh, how happy. Verse 1 says, blessed or oh, how happy are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Oh, how happy, verse 2, or blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with their whole heart. Now, notice the action words in these verses here. The action verses are, oh, how happy are they that walk in his ways, that keep his word, that seek him with their whole heart. Walk, keep, and seek. You see, all people could be happy, but few are because they choose not to be undefiled. That's the first blessing right there, the proclamation of how to be happy, those that are undefiled in the way. These are the ones that choose a life of purity. There's power in purity. They can't find anything wrong with you. I don't mean idiosyncrasies and personality conflicts, but there's nothing really that can put you in jail except your faith in Christ. That's walking in purity. It's that woman of excellence. She's redeemed by the blood of the lamb. She's a forgiven woman. There's nothing more powerful against the kingdom of Satan than a woman that has been forgiven, a forgiven woman. This is a woman who's been cleansed from the inside out. She is a woman that knows that she has been forgiven of her wrongdoings, of her sin, but there's another part to that. She also understands the power of forgiving others who have wounded or come against her unjustly or justifiably. That's the woman that, that the enemy will fear. 
redeemed by the power of the blood. It means that now my desires being born again, my desire is to please God. All things are new. Old things are passed away. And I love just to be challenged with that. All things are new. Old things are passed away. Ponder that thought. Think about that. Are they? Are all things new in your life? Is God doing a work deep down inside of you like never before? Is there an urgency? Is there um, the cry of your heart, God, I want to do, I want to be all that you want me to be? I love that thought. Are you undefiled? I often will say, search me, O God, and know my ways, and see if there's any wicked way in me, and if so, rid that of my life, and lead me in the way everlasting. Oh, how happy are they that walk in the law of the Lord, the psalmist says. It's referring to the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, but also it is talking about anything that God has spoken, commanded, or promised. In our relationship with the Lord, are you standing on the promises of God? That is just so, so important. About a year and a half um, after my husband had passed away, I am still in this fog of grief. This is kind of what they call it. Evidently, you gotta, you got to you know, find your way through there. And I mean, it's just like you, you, you're not sure if you're thinking right. Um, I didn't know my purpose. I really didn't want a purpose. I just wanted to go to heaven. I just wanted this pain to stop. It's like you're in this land of limbo and um, just trying to figure out in your mind. It's very, very common when you lose somebody that you love and especially with a spouse. However, God seems to have his hound dogs from heaven out to get us. And I don't know about you, but there was one in particular, a dear friend of mine, a dear saint, who just would be, she, would, she was relentless. She would call every so often just to check on me, to see how I was doing. But every conversation ended with, Gail, we want you to come and speak to the widows at Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. This is a, a gal that was under pa Pastor Chuck and Kay, in Costa Mesa, and I just, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't want to talk to anybody. I, I mean, I, it's just like, I don't even know if I can get out of bed. I just, you know, it's just like, just kind of put her off, put her off, put her off. And, um, but she kept, kept calling. And, you know, it was nice that she'd check up on me and stuff. And I'm telling her, I'm, woe is me. I am telling her, I am, I'm a mess. Oh, yeah, but you got to come and, and speak. The Lord wants you to come speak to our widows. And I said, I don't want to speak to nobody, let alone widows. They have to be the saddest people in all the world. I don't want to be a part. I didn't ask for this job. I didn't, I did not put a resume in. And, and I don't like this, this kind of a thing. Well, eventually I caved. And she said, great. I want you to come and speak to the widow's Valentine luncheon. <laughs> you gotta be kidding. You gotta be, Glenda, you gotta be kidding. And so I'm thinking, I'm just dreading this thing, but I made a commitment, I'm, I'm gonna go. And um, when I got there, listen, these girls were a hoot. I'm thinking, what? They actually have a life. 
They, they are actually enjoying themselves because I was not in that place where I didn't know any other widows. I'm thinking, this group is too much. This is, they were amazing. Well, before I left my home in Marietta to drive down to Costa Mesa, my dear friend Jean McClure calls and she says, hey, Gail, the Lord gave me a verse for you. Oh, great. That's just, I just, I'm going down to do the widow's Valentine luncheon. I mean, this has got to be, how do people come up with this stuff? She says, yeah, it's out of Job. I said, no. (laughs) Listen, I'm already in the pit. Somebody's going to have to get me out of this. So she gave me the scripture, so I go and I do the, the, the um, event, and it was, it was glorious. But when I got home, as any Bible student would, I wanted to look at the whole chapter where she got that verse from, what was before it and what was after it, right? I'm really curious. So the chapter begins with Job bemoaning his past. He's saying, if only I could go back to the former days. If only this would have happened, not happened and we could go back to what was normal. Anybody ever say that lately? Could we just be, when will we be normal again? When, am, when are we going to go back to what want, once was? Then suddenly it turns to lamenting over the change that was happening in his life. He lost his children. He lost his possessions. He lost his identity. And I said, that's me. That describes me. I'm bemoaning. I'm lamenting. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. I don't want to go from here. I just want to go to heaven. And God spoke to me. This is the verse that she gave me. That he will cause the widow's heart to sing again. And through that verse, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, get back on the saddle, Gail. He kind of talks to me like this. I love horses. And, um, and he says, I have a work for you to do. I stand here today because of that promise. Are you standing on the promises of God? Stand on those promises. Oh, how happy are they that keep his testimonies. You look at the testimony, the statues, the commands. It's all the word of God. You can just put the word, the word, the word in place of those words. And that means to obey his treasured truths. Oh, how happy are they that seek him with their whole heart. An undivided heart is what God wants. He doesn't want your heart divided this way or that way. He wants it all. And do you realize that a broken heart is still a whole heart? Think about it. Just because it's broken, because there's something there that's going on in your life that is so painful and it hurts so bad, and you just want it to go away, you want some relief, you want some answers, it does not mean that that's a divided heart. That is as much of a whole heart as a heart that is not broken. My testimony, there was a song going through um, that was very popular at the time when I was going all through the beginnings of the grieving process. And the phrase in there um, became my testimony, and it basically said, broken beyond repair, healed beyond belief. And I could see, one day, I could see beyond the tears. So, so powerful. The blessing is pictured. In verse 3, it's a gift bestowed by God brings this happiness. Verse 3 says, they also do no iniquity. This is a woman whose heart is after God. 
Her heart pants after God. They walk in his ways. This is repeated from verses 1 and 2. Oh, how happy are they that walk in his ways. His way is written on our hearts. The Spirit of God engraves God's ways on the heart that is totally yield to the Lord Jesus, whose heart that he sits upon. He's on the throne of our lives. And it's a work of God's Spirit. The way is what God has appointed. It's our assignment. Realize that we have been assigned to live in the last days. I think that is just absolutely amazing. I am probably, really and truly, I didn't even want to get back into ministry, let alone be used of God, right? And he's going to look, and I guess the weaker you are, the more of a candidate you are for this great assignment that he has for us. I'm thinking... You got, you got to, it's got to be a mistake. Go find somebody that's got a little bit of oomph in them. I mean, I, you know, I'm a defeated person here. But we've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's time for us to raise up, to be, to rise up like Esther. And I think about take a deep breath when you're just in a panic mode, when you got that anxiety, that fear going. You take a deep breath, hold it, and slowly let it out, right? That's part of, okay, we have this assignment. God has assigned us to live in these last days. Esther is such an example of the kind of situation that we are in today. How hopeless was the world? Her people were going to be absolutely annihilated. And she stood up. So we need to be like Esther and rise up. Put on that royal apparel. Get right with God. Do the right thing. Jesus must be first in our life because he is essential. God's word has to have a priority in our lives. Being taught the word, getting into the word yourself, it's so important. That royal apparel, that's how we put on the righteousness. And by all means, girls, stand up, sit up straight, not only to take the deep breath, but straighten up those crowns. They're kind of crooked. Some are falling on the ground. Go get that crown and get that crown on your head and say, if I perish, I perish. And let's see what God will do. Purity and goodness mark our lives. She walks the walk. She talks, not just talks the talk. She walks the walk. She's filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. She is yielded. I love what Kay said. She would always use this word, just yield. It's like a, it's like a breath of fresh air. And um, because it's God's work and God's job, and the work of the Holy Spirit to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that we could um, dedicate our members, all our body parts, everything about us, what we are and what we aren't, for God's service. And I just love that idea, just yield, because when we understand that principle, all the stress of us becoming something is taken away. It has nothing to do with us except yield. And once we do, the Spirit of God begins this work deep within us. And he makes us what we ought to be. Makes us the witness we ought to be. The wife we ought to be. The mother we ought to be. The sister. The auntie. The friend. It's just such a powerful work of the, of the Holy Spirit. And it seems so simple, but it, it works. And then we see the blessing prized. Verse 4, it says, You have commanded us to keep thy precepts, notice, diligently. It is obedience to God's word, what he has laid out that brings this happiness. It's this, the blessings of God. That is the path to happiness. Not only to be a student of God's word, but this portion tells us 
um, that the psalmist was a prayer warrior. The word, you got the power of the word, you got the power of the cross, you got the power of the blood, you got the power of prayer. And prayer, this, the condition of the world, isn't it driving you to the to your knees? Are your kids and grandkids, are you worried about them? What kind of a world are they going to be living in? Has it not driven us to our knees and to believe that there is power in prayer and God answers those prayers? It says here, not only students of the word, but prayer warriors. And he looks how he says, this is his prayer. It's a little different change. It says, oh, that my ways, he's, he's beckoning to the Lord. He says, oh, that my ways were directed to keep your statues. Now, I don't know about your translations, but do you have an exclamation point after that statement? You do? Do you? Yeah. Okay, so, I mean, that means something, right? I've never really seen a lot of explanation points in the Bible. So this is like it's coming from the depths of his, of his heart, his soul. And when I do my texts and I want to, like, something I'm really passionate about or excited about, I'll put a explanation point, maybe three explanation points. Now, that's not code. Explanation means you're excited. You're passionate about something. And here in this statement... As a prayer, he's crying out to God. He is desperate at this point. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy word, thy statutes, thy commandments. Is that your passion? To walk with God in these troubling times? To walk in his ways? To be about the Father's business? Are you passionate about the assignment that has given to, been given to you? You know, that Mission Impossible one? You got a Mission Impossible because it can't be in our strength. It has to be in the strength of God. On Labor Day, in my area, a fire broke out in the Hemet area, California. My daughter lives in this city. And this fire started, they don't know how, but you know, California is known for our wildfires. You probably, the whole state, sometimes you'll think, I think the entire California is burning. And it kind of appears like it is. Well, this fire broke out. It, was, it spread rapidly due to the high winds and unusually high temperatures, 105, 106, 107, something like that. And it made it impossible to contain this fire, and it began to spread to other cities. Other cities now were affected, several of their cities. The wine country was affected. The grapes were affected. Many had to be ex, um, evacuated, and others were standing by to be are we called? Are we going to have to go? There's a lot of horse properties out there. They're just turning their horses loose. They couldn't get them in time. This fire was spreading so rapidly. It burned for four days with 5% containment. They couldn't get it. We were praying, praying, praying. I was on the phone with my daughter. We need a miracle. Yes, we need a miracle. And, of course, we're in a drought, so, you know, rain is like, will it happen? This kind of a thing. And I told my daughter, I need you to just come now. Just come now. I'm so worried. I can see the fire from my house in Marietta. It was so, so frightening. But what came to mind as we were praying, and I thought, I'm going to do the Abraham prayer. God, if there are 10 righteous in the city, because the city was being threatened, they were going to, it was, Hemet was going to be burned off the face of the earth, uh, map, uh, face of the map, map of the face, whatever you call it. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to do, God, if there's 10 righteous in the city will you save it and the bible said god said yes it's biblical and that night lo and behold 
we had a visit from Hurricane K. And Hurricane K came from the Gulf of Mexico, not the Mexico, I don't know how it came. It came and it literally drenched what the firefighters couldn't, they couldn't battle it. And it was out. Do you need a miracle? Has God given you a mission impossible? How awesome is that? You can do, I'll share. You can take this advice. Do the Abraham prayer. I knew there were more than 10 righteous in that city. God answers prayer. Just so powerful. Verse 6 says, Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. He points to a particular instruction in this verse given by one who cares about the details. Do you realize he cares about the details of your life? We are women of detail. We want to know not just a summary. No, we want to know the details about what you're sharing. And the more details, the more satisfied we are. But I think about, you know, that he counts the hair on your head kind of a thing. And I think that has just always intrigued me. And I was talking with some older, you know, my friends, because my friends are all about my age. And we're talking about, you know, growing age and some of the things that we were experiencing. And, and one comment was, yeah, did you notice that the hair on your legs, it, it, it like, it goes away. You don't have to shave your legs as often as you did as a young person. This is something to look forward to. And someone, says, someone else says, yeah, it goes to your chin. <laughs> He's into the details of our lives. Somebody please tell me if I've got one hanging down to my chest. I mean, really, it's, just, it's so bad. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I have learned thy righteous judgment. This is the ability to discern what is right and wrong and make the decisions accordingly. No, we are going to be drenched in God's word, we are not going to veer from it, not to the left or to the right. We're going to stay on that straight and narrow. If God settles it, that settles, I believe it, that settles it. How's it? Some, did I get it all messed? There. I love you. Okay. <laughs> I will keep thy statues, God's word, written and engraved on our hearts. And here's part of this prayer. Oh, forsake me not utterly. This is a prayer of desperation. We don't want to fall by the wayside. We want to be used in these last days. Those crowns are looking really great on you girls. They're shiny. They're sparkly. It's a little weak on if I perish, I perish, but you'll get it. It'll it'll, it'll happen. What else do we have? I mean, this is like, that's our vow. Can't get any worse. It's got to get better. In other words, he's saying, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And the Amplified says this, do not abandon me when I fail. You're going to fail. It doesn't matter that you fail. You'll learn from those failures, those mistakes, those decisions that could have been better, and he turns it all around for you. It's if I don't try at all. You'll never know how he can come alongside and correct those failures and use those failures for his glory and honor to speak to others. Do not abandon me when I fail. What a prayer of desperation. Is that you too? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. Your word is just so powerful in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, that it is you that has called us to the kingdom for such a time as this. And you've called us to have an Esther mentality that we just need to be open and 
embrace those opportunities that you give to us. You say, open your mouth and I will fill it. How awesome is that? We don't even have to come up with the words that we say. We just open our mouths and you will fill it. And who gets the better blessed but us? We grow not only helping others, but we grow ourselves. Father, thank you for these ladies out here tonight, my sisters in Christ. We definitely know you are building your army. You are building your church. We are more than prepared because you are leading us into battle. And we will go where you tell us to go. We will do what you tell us to do because, Lord, we want a fresh filling of your spirit. Maybe there's somebody here tonight. And her walk is wavering. It isn't what it should be. And the Lord is just tugging on your heart. Get right with me. I don't want half of a heart. I don't even want 99.9% of a heart. But he wants your whole heart. All he's asking is give me your heart. And I will work wonders in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.